Stop chewing so loud over there. Just because the show is brought to you by Jack Links doesn't mean you wolf down a cold snack in front of all of us. I haven't eaten lunch. Or I think about six episodes long. ago, I didn't eat lunch, and I did the same thing today. Here's my lunch. I feel like every day you do the same thing. Hard salami and Colby Jack sandwich. Those things are delicious. Mm. Carb-free. I like to call them a wish sandwich. You got the meat and the cheese. You wish you had some bread. You ever call them that when you were young? And it's the perfect distribution of cheese to meat. It really is. I like it just because if you do get the bread and a little mustard, mm-hmm. it's perfect just like that. But if you want a little sandwich, you don't have to bring anything. No, it's it's the total a sa- man sandwich. You, have yeah, to, you don't have to done. think about anything. You open it, put it in between two, some of that bread, some of that meat, <laughs> some of that bread, some kind of condiment, a little mayonnaise, a little mustard, butter. You guys ever have a salami sandwich with butter? It's delicious. But you don't have to open two packs. You don't have to do anything. It's like the uh, brought to you by is just written for itself with you eating that right now. I don't know if the, the world quite under, that just understands. That was not scripted even. Clint's just mm. chowing down. He won't even offer any of us no. anything. He won't even offer our guest. I was, yeah, was going to say he's right across the table from our very special guest, the two-time international coot-calling champion, John David Stanley. <laughs> it doesn't offer him one John David bit. Stanley, Jr., the seventh. You have seven kids just like you, deterred <laughs> other people. Huh? It's huh? hard telling, not knowing. <laughs> John, for those of you that don't know, you got to go by John, JD. JD or John David. Is it uh, John, J O H N or J O N? J O H N. Nice. Not a John Traditional. Boat. John Boat. JD Stanley. Who? Um, on that note, though, real quick, I've, I've never known. How far back. John David's. How many John David's are there? He's I'm the third. third. You are the third. I'm the third. Who's the, the other? Third. My dad. Grandpa, junior, dad, him. And my grandfather. So to go to start with oh, nice. And he just had a son. Yeah. Did you name him John David? No. Nope. Stone. 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 <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, there's a reason behind like it. And yeah. it's Stone it, Sheep. No, stone. no. Yeah. No, that's it, actually no. why. It, it's two and things. Stone, stone Sheep are my favorite sheep. And stone flies, so it covers the hunting and the fly fishing. Holy cow. But there's a certain reason. But it disappoints your dad, grandpa, and great-grandpa. He goes by his middle name. His first name's David. I kept one of my names. Oh. There's a reason why he did it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Personal story. Is that okay to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I can talk about it. Um, So. Am I going to be embarrassed that I brought this up? No, no, no. It's nothing No, it's actually really cool because, so my wife and I have, she is, we have two older boys that are. Not from a previous father. marriage. Yeah, yes. from a previous relationship, right? We've been together since they were one and three, so I'm the only thing they've ever known. I'm dad. And when we were thinking of names, I wanted to keep my name going, and we asked the boys. And Dexter, who's eight now, um, didn't understand why he wasn't named John David the Fourth. Because uh, he was the and, first. And, and he's I, the oldest first and, kid. And I was like, it's out. Hmm. I would never do that to him. Hmm. So it was pretty cool because Allie and I didn't even think about it. Like, but I would have legally it, changed his name to John David at that point. Then <laughs> you got to think outside the box. He yeah. pr- he probably would. Well, can you have another boy and name him John David the Fourth? Yeah, JD I mean, Four. Well, that's the, but that's the thing is like they could have kids and name him the Fourth too. Oh well, that's okay. Right? Then. Yeah. And all my all my buddies in Texas were really hoping that he was going to be the Fourth because they were just going to call him Quattro. Right. I was going to say, do you yeah, go by JD3 or Trace or anything like that? Mm-mm. Just JD. Speaking of Texas, you're almost headed back there, yeah? Yes, sir. Where'd you just come from? Alaska. 
short drive from here. Nobody knows what you do except us, so tell them, what are you doing? No, 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 hold on. I think we skipped right over. What? You, he, you didn't go. You said he was the four-time Coot champion caller. Back-to-back international Coot calling yeah. is what I was told. <laughs> what you're told. No, tell Perfect. us what you have accomplished for real. So I won the Junior World Goose in 2001. Um, I've called in the World Duck Calling Contest 11 times and finished wow. in the top 10, nine of those. In, finished, in Arkansas? Yep. Finished second in the world in 2007. Wow. Who won it that year? Jody Nickham. Did you feel like you beat him? No. You knew you lost? No. Well, no, I didn't know I lost, but it, it's, it, you know, it sticks with me. Like, third's better than second. At least third, you didn't have a chance. You're not the first loser saying right right now. Always a bridesmaid. He was never going to call his son Jody. That's right. Basically, (laughs) what we just learned right there. And Jody and I are still close, and he's a really Are you still calling in contests? Man, I haven't called since 2015, something like that. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. It's hard with what I do now, um, working in Alaska. All the contests happen when I'm up there. And Alaska is not exactly a cheap place to fly in and out of. <laughs> Alaska to Arkansas is probably not a direct flight, is it? No. <laughs> Especially no. these days. No. No. It's, I think, the only direct flight out of Anchorage is like Anchorage to Dallas. Oh, Anchorage really? You can get Chicago. that far? Mm-hmm. So you're a very accomplished. But a, but a lot of them go to Seattle. Duck and goose caller. Fairly. Yep. You know, I... And now you're a fishing guide. Mm-hmm. Did you ever do fishing calling contests? Fish How do you call a fish? Is it just bubbles, or do they get mm-hmm. like a blue whale? You throw pellets. You, you throw pellets uh, on the water. It's the way it splashes. Right. No, you, you throw some cracked fire. corn in there, just like when I'm out carp the fishing on the yep. Washoe Valley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Works good. <laughs> Sweet corn works better. Sweet corn. <laughs> So you fishing guy in Alaska, and then for six months, basically out of the year, and then Texas waterfowl guiding mm-hmm. in November through February. No, I'm just saying town. I can't remember the Haskell. name. Haskell. What are you guiding? Texas. Goose goose calling? Goose hunting goose in hunt. Texas? Mm-hmm. All Canada geese? Uh, lesser Canada's and speckle bellies. Lots of speckle bellies. Is that a productive area to be? Yes. Never heard of that town before. Are all the goose hunters laughing right now? No, everybody knows no, what because Texas there's, is, it, there's so man. it's like you've probably heard of Lubbock. Mm-hmm. Lubbock is big. Lubbock has a lot of outfitters. Um, where we are, there's really only three outfits, and everything's leased. So like nobody can get in there. Where where in the geographic uh, area? I'm, I'm halfway in between Lubbock and Dallas. I'm small I'm, town. Yeah, oh tiny, less than three thousand. Got a people. hotel. It does got a bar in Ameristay. Uh, I don't know if the bar's still open or not. <laughs> My house. <laughs> there's there's a bar wherever at any of our lodges. Right. So it's a it's a legit operation. Lodges. Yeah, I think we have a lot of dead five, air right five now. Five lodges. Five. Five to keep people in. Yep. And a lot of them are just hunting camps. We're not right. holding you to the feed to the fire, but what's the daily rate? It's three fifty a day. Three fifty a day, and you kill a limit every time you go. No, I mean, pretty it's much funny, though. But we do well. Pits, lay down, layouts, layouts, and um, like a frame style blinds. Hunt the edges. Hunt, or, hunt yeah. edges. But you, so what we're hunting in is uh, a lot of the time we're hunting in peanut fields, 
which if you've ever been to Canada and hunted in pea fields, it's similar as far as the ground cover yeah it's the amount of cover in the field yeah. there's nothing like, yeah because it's, it's sand they, it's like scorched earth farming because yep. it's all underground stuff right yep and it's so that what they do is they plow the they plow the peanuts up then they combine them and then they all the chaff just gets ground up and run out the back of the combine so that it's fertilizer or is whatever it, but it, i mean it's two inches long is it the same in down there is it like in oklahoma peanut fields where a lot of widgeon get down there and, and work in the widgeon the widgeon we don't we get ducks in the peanut fields we get a lot of pintails and mallards when it gets cold up north um the widgeon in our area they really get in the winter wheat fields oh really mm-hmm. they, they crush the peanuts they, in oklahoma they love the winter wheat are the are the are the uh different species eating remnants of the peanut harvest as far as you know holes and nuts it's the, and no, stuff it's, it's, it's just loss the, it's just the nut same thing we eat and really they, and it's weird like it, as you're as i'm cleaning them like some of them crack them and eat them the same way we do and other ones swallow them whole husk and all so what obviously the the farming is not 100 percent then so what is the farming practice of tilling it up they gather what eighty five percent of the peanuts out of the ground and at least yeah, yeah. I mean or it's, maybe it's, even it's, more ninety five percent yeah it's the same problem as everywhere right like the the farming equipment and the technology with it has become so good that there's so little waste grain anymore um, I imagine you goose hunters purposely put an extra couple holes in their combine to no. allow a little leakage <laughs> no <laughs> what, what, what's, more what's super effective is if when they plow the peanuts if we get rain it's bad for the farmers but it's good for us. Because they can't harvest them, so they just sit out there, and then everything's out there. So you're hunting prior to harvest. It just depends. It depends on when they dig the peanuts, on how wet it's been. Oh, because they don't don't deal with frost and stuff down in Texas, right? Well, I mean, we do. We get it. It gets cold because we're in – I'm in the north north Texas. I mean – way Texans draw lines in Texas is kind of awkward because <laughs> anything huge. west of Dallas, which is in East Texas, is West Texas. <laughs> so It's like Northern California, right? Northern California is... Everything it, but L.A. and yeah, San Diego. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. It's the same thing, right? <laughs> they forget about... So, like, you get Chico west of down. Dallas and it's, you're in West Texas. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of interesting that they eat peanuts. I, so I mean, how far is a peanut under the ground? How far it, down do they grow? Yeah. You know, I don't know because I've never seen. All I find is the tops. Like, so do they dig? Do the ducks dig for it? They'll scratch like turkeys. Really? Yeah, they'll get in. Because, like, in a peanut field, this you know, people can't see me explaining this to you guys, but literally, the top of the peanut plants maybe only three, two and a half to three inches tall, and it's just these little rows of what looks like weeds, and then they dig it up. And underneath, it'll be, you know, a ball of peanuts, three wow. and a half feet across, and go down. And this so they far. just dig to the top layer yeah, of those. Yeah, they're, they're, they're scratching up the top ones, and they'll <laughs> oh, get that's them out. Cool. It's cool. So that's why the hogs are in there. They root all that up, right? And then they eat peanuts. Yeah. So you, we make fire on them too. You, I was going to say, <laughs> I, I've always heard the landowner to that. get landowner permission in Texas, you got to shoot a couple of hogs for them while you're there. Oh yeah, I mean, when I started down there, all I wanted to do was shoot a hog, right? Because we don't have them here. And, I, I was just, for some reason, like, it was something I wanted to check off my list, right? And it was during a really bad drought, so there was, like, hardly any hogs. And I remember I was driving around on Christmas Eve scouting, and I look over, and there's this herd of pigs running across this winter wheat field. 
like 30 of them and they are flying across this field right at me and i was like god i wish i knew whose field that was and then i look and there is a red dodge truck on their ass <laughs> and it was a farmer and he was shooting him out of the truck with his lever action coming across the field and he like dukes a hazard it up onto the road and stops and i got out and i was like hey can i shoot and he goes you got a rifle he goes stay right there i'm gonna run him back by you and he tears ass across the field <laughs> circles around and runs him back by me and i was shooting him oh it was that was that was my first experience with a pig rodeo oh <laughs> so so you go get in your blind to goose hunt, you just put your AR-15 right there in the blind with you? No, I don't keep it in the by, field. I know, me. that was I was being facetious. I've shot coyotes while setting up decoys, though. Have so, you? Yeah, they follow the dogs into the decoys. Really? Yeah, Are the coyotes thick down there in North Texas? Yeah. Can we get down out there with you? Yeah, uh, you know what we do. We right? like to hunt They're the edge, so too. Mangy. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> put them out of their misery. So you go down there in November, you said? In, end of October. End of October, which we are now, so you'll mm-hmm. be right heading now. down there the next couple, couple days. days. And then through I'm, your I'm, season goes till? My season goes to the 14th of February. And then you hang out there for a couple months? Yep, and then I'll, I'll probably go I'll go somewhere and guide for snow geese this spring. And then go on vacation somewhere with Allie and the kids. And then <laughs> head back to Alaska in April. April and then April through and then May th- beginning m- May through October I'm fishing and your family's with you while you're fishing or no mm-hmm. yep Allie and the kids come up there we got a bunch of friends up there and that all have kids that are similar ages so they Allie and all of her girlfriends they go pick wild blueberries and they just go when's the last time <laughs> you got eight hours of sleep Last night. Oh, you did? (laughs) (laughs) He's not in Texas or Alaska. But, I mean, you got it. Fishing, hunting season, you don't sleep, right? Yeah, somehow I managed to find a job that requires me to get up earlier than hunting. Yeah, fishing? That was fishing. Because you got to have everything ready. Well, so, like, king fishing. So, like, I I was telling you earlier, um, on the river, I work on the Kenai River. What's the name of the outfit outfit business? Alaska Trout Guides. Okay. Um, And... But during king season, which is July, June and July, but July is when we have the second run fish, which are the, they're the largest genetic on the face of the earth. Like, they're huge. Um, or they can be huge. Um, but on an average year, there's like 270 to 340 or 350 licensed guides on the river. Wow. Wow. So it's it's not, it's not it's definitely not the rural Alaskan experience. <laughs> But it's awesome for families, people, guys whose wives don't like to fish because it's on the highway system. They can go whale watching. They can go hiking. They can go see the Kenai Fjords. They can go do all kinds of stuff. Um, So we have lots of families that come up. But just that, like when I start kingfishing in July, because it's so busy, like the boat ramps that we use, because I have to put my boat in every day and take it out. All of us do, or most all of us. So if I don't leave my camper by when it's busy by 3 a.m., I won't have my boat in the water to meet my clients at 5.30. It takes that long to launch a boat? And how far are you? Well, 18 minutes from the boat launch. Oh, my God. (laughs) But... That's also so I can get fuel and breakfast, coffee, whatever. But then still five, five, but, ten minutes but, for but two so and a half you hours. Think about it. You've been to boat launches, like you've seen it at Pyramid. You've seen it anywhere. 
all of us that do it professional or for a living have all of our stuff organized. Right. And all we do is back our boat in, launch it. And then usually another guide will jump in your truck and pull it out so that it's to speed up the process. And then you put someone in there who doesn't do it as much, the weekend warrior, whatever, a private angler. They back their boat down. They pull the plugs out to drain the boat. Then they get all their stuff loaded out of the truck onto the boat, clogging up the boat ramp for mm-hmm. 20 minutes. Yeah. Or they you can't know. back down the ramp. That too. I mean, I've seen that. <laughs> or their truck and trailer. I've, I've, seen, I've seen it when it's cold. They'll uh, unhook their boat from the... Um, the trailer. The, the winch thing. Yeah. yeah. And hit a bump, and the boat will slide off and fall on the boat ramp. So then a bunch of people have to go move a 2,000-pound uh, <laughs> boat. So what runs first there? What do you catch so first? So the first runs that we get, the first salmon that start coming in the river are kings. They start coming in late April, early May. Um and that first run of kings runs through June. Why is that? What what makes that fish do it earlier than? Do you ever have you ever found that I, out? No, I don't. I mean, I think because they all run back to their birth it's, it's place, this, right? Yeah, but it's the species protecting themselves. So our first run fish are all trib fish. They all go up tributaries. They're not main stem Kenai fish. So our second run fish come later. So maybe that because those smaller tributaries maybe freeze faster. Or they just, or, or that's the best time for them as far as water levels to get up there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And Food, temperature. Okay. Just probably a lot, of, a lot of it has to do with stuff that we probably know nothing about, but I imagine a lot of it has to do with water temperature mm-hmm. when they spawn. Because, you know, they don't come in and spawn right away. Like, so like our, our second run kings start in July and run through the 15th of August, which we can only fish till July 31st in a year that the season stays open. Um, but those fish that come in July don't spawn until the very end of August, first two weeks of September. So they just sit there and hang out in the river waiting for the world to be right for them to reproduce. What's the number one food source for them in the river? What are Nothing. they? So salmon, once they come in fresh water, are done feeding. How do they have the energy to get up? where Fat, they? which is what Holy. makes them taste good to us, the oil. That's why, so like you see sockeyes, kings, silvers, they all turn red. That's their scales falling out and an infection, like their body's breaking down, which is why their meat, as they start to start turning red, their meat quality goes way down because they're living off their fat, which is the oil, which is what makes them taste good to us. So how how do you get them to eat if you're... Piss them off. It's strictly a reaction. If they're not eating they're it not to feeding. get no, like you'll, you'll clean a king, you'll clean a king, and his stomach will be the size of a grape with nothing because wow. they don't survive through the spawn, right? No, they this all die. Is, this so, is Pacific salmon, it's actually really cool because we get to watch it and it happens in a, in a rather quick timeline up there. So, in the spring, when the ice out happens, all the baby salmon that it raised start migrating to the ocean, okay. And then shortly thereafter, and even while they're doing that, the adults start migrating back in to spawn, and then they spawn and die. You know, but like by now, like everything's everything except silvers is dead by now. So even by life or a brown bear. <laughs> so they live in freshwater and saltwater. They do. They raise in in freshwater. So most salmon will spend 
it depends on the species and I don't remember the numbers exactly, but like take sockeye salmon, for example, they'll spend a year in fresh water and then they migrate out to the ocean at roughly an inch long. And then in one to four years, they return anywhere from two and a half to 12 pounds. Wow. And then that's it. But And they die. Yep. But Pacific salmon feed more species on earth than anything else. The dead ones that and go just, floating just back down general, the river? Everything. So, so like on a river system like ours, the Kenai, relatively short. I mean, it's a short river system. It's only 89 miles long. Um, every living thing within two miles of that river contains salmon DNA. All the grass, all the bugs, moose, everything. Because that's the fertilizer for the ecosystem. Because as the bears, coyotes, wolves, lynx, eagles, seagulls, yeah. whatever, drag all those carcasses off and get what they want, and they drop it, that becomes a fertilizer for the whole ecosystem. Are you seeing, are you seeing all that wildlife on the shore of the river? You're seeing the bears eat the bears fairly frequently. Not we don't see them a lot. You see them up in the upper portion of the river. So there's what's called the upper Kenai, which is between Kenai Lake and Skelak Lake, which is drift boats only. Um, is that what you're in a drift boat? Sometimes. So question. we have a permit. So there's only 19 permits up there. And the guy that I work for has one. So we work up there. And then the lower river is a free for all. Like, What are you going on the lower river? Side you run a powerboat. Oh, you do a powerboat. Yeah, twenty foot. Bigger fish. Powerboat. Upper, lower. Doesn't matter. Mm, so, so then there again because of runs. So the first run of sockeyes comes in mid June. They all go up the Russian River, which is a tributary to the Kenai, but it's in the upper portion of the Kenai. So that's where the the majority of the sockeye fishing in June happens is in the upper Kenai above Skelak Lake, and then then we have our second run sockeyes that come in July, mid July to this year, late August. But, um, they, they're all the main stem fish. So they all spawn main stem Kenai. So they, they don't go up the tribs. They stay in that 89 miles and spawn from top to bottom. Well, top to the top three or four miles of the what is considered the lower part of the river below Skelak Lake. And then on even, so that's on an odd numbered year. Then on an even numbered year, <laughs> we have another species of salmon that are pink salmon or humpies. They are the locusts of the river and we get uh, two to three million of them. And they spawn, they all spawn in the lower 40 some miles of river. You can only fish those every other year? No, you can. You, well, the, they only come up the river every other year, uh -huh. really, the majority of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a, a notable run of them. How big do they get? Mm, well, a couple years ago, we had, for whatever reason, ocean conditions were really good. So they were huge. Like the world record got beat three times in one day on the river. Wow. And they were 14 plus pounds. Wow. Are they good eating too? Not no. as good. No, so pink trophies. So I was just gonna say, go, so go. I want you to go through how many species of salmon run through there. You're going. You're, you're okay. So we get we get four species. There's five species of Pacific salmon. Okay. So you have kings, silvers, sockeyes, chums, and pinks. 
we get four of the five. The only one we don't get is chum salmon, um, or dog salmon is what they're referred to in a lot of the state because that's what they put up to feed all their sled dogs. Mm. Yeah. So you got those kind of in order. The pinks are the worst, then the dogs. Yeah, I mean, pink pinks aren't bad. Oh. So they're actually one of the they have the highest omega threes, but they change rapidly. Like once they're in fresh water, twenty four hours, they're no good. They they use up all their body fat super fast. So they're mushy. Yeah. So as far as table fare goes, the top three are, and then it just comes down to personal preferences: kings, sockeyes, and silvers. What happens at the bottom of the river with all these dead fish coming down? They just wash out into the ocean and stuff out there eats them? They get, yep. They get hung up in snags. And as they start falling apart, the rainbow trout eat them. And the dolly varden eat the chunks of flesh dolly, and eat the eggs. Dolly parton? Varden. Oh. Working nine to five? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so you call yourself the Alaskan, Alaskan trout guide because there's some trout in there. What, what kind mm-hmm. of trout are in there? Rainbows. And they eat the decaying salmon. Salmon, eggs, and flesh. No kidding. Yeah. And what do they grow to? What what's the bi- what f- salmon grows the biggest in general? Kings. That's always why kings. Always what's kings. the biggest always salmon you've ever caught? Let's do a little rap rapid no, no, fire quick, question. King, yeah. So the largest king L- too long. Go. Yeah, you talk too Just long. Say thirty pounds, whatever. Go. No. Rapid fire, go. <laughs> By the math, he was between eighty two and eighty six pounds. Holy Because <laughs> measurements. You didn't have a deal, it's measurement. Well, we didn't kill him. You can't oh, you take, let him go? You can't take yep. Can't take him out of the water. Is it a slot? Nope. We could have killed him. That's a unicorn, man. That's why people come to that river. Yeah. And it breaks my heart to have to kill fish that big. Mm. You shouldn't be killing them. They're not good for table fare. No, how, I mean, you, literally it? the fillets are going to be four and a half, five inches. But they inches die thick. every year anyway, right? Right. But so there's not a, you're right. And then this is, I, I, I try to educate all of my clients on this. Let's educate them. So yeah. yes, they are all going to die. Okay. Is there a guarantee that that fish, if we let it go, makes it to spawn? No. But there's a guarantee that that fish's genetics are gone forever if I put it in a fish box. You're hoping that his genetics... They're, that they're tough. They, they got spawn. it. Because spawn. literally all those can, all these salmon do is replace themselves. Yeah. 1% of their eggs make it back. Mm. They literally, for every spawning pair, basically, a spawning pair comes back out of... You know, I mean, out of a big king, I don't know how many eggs she has. Yeah. 10, 15,000. That's great. Two make it back. Hmm. So they do make a difference because when, during the heyday of the river in 80s, 90s, early 2000s, like it was come to the Kenai and kill a 50 pound fish, kill a 60 pound fish. And now you don't see those fish like you used to. I kill no fish, so I'm with you. <laughs> no, but, no, no, but I mean, that's it's a no, good I mean, question. I, I'm always like, catch and release, but I. You don't even get a pic. Do you get a picture of oh, it or yes. anything? Oh, okay. yeah. And then you yeah. can put it back in. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the that's thing. So need. with the kings, like when retention is legal, if you remove that fish's body weight to where it is no longer supported by the water, if you lift him up too much by t- technicality, you have to kill that fish mm. because they'll get hurt. They're big. And, and you're trying to stress them out as little as possible. And king kings are extremely hardy. Um, they actually just redid another study on them as far as catch and release mortality rate. So with bait, which we haven't got to use in five years, um, which increases your odds of catching fish, even though they're not feeding, 
You're talking about something that has a brain the size of a pencil eraser. So a scent. You run a piece of rope across its nose, it's eating it. Certain amino acids that get put in bait and everything trigger that instinct to feed. So, yes, catch numbers go up, harvest goes up, which that's why they allow us to use bait when the runs are good is because somewhere along the way there was a genius lobbyist that said that there was such thing as over-escapement which makes no sense to me because before we were there, they all escaped into the river and all made it back out and kept their populations in check, right? Um, But it's, I don't know, man. It's, 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 It's sad to kill those big fish. I had a client. I had a client a few years ago. Caught one with me. It was 25 pounds, which is the perfect size to kill. They're delicious are good that's the genetic you want to be taken out because that king so our kings spend four to seven years in the ocean which is why they get so big um so he kills this fish fished with him a couple days later and he's like yep not killing one blah 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 blah. and the last pass of the day because we catch him trolling and he hooks this giant fish and it was i don't know 60 some pounds Mm. And I put it in the net, and his his sons were there, and he was like, "Yeah," and he was his sons and his grandkids. And he was like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Awesome, let's go take pictures." He goes, "Nope, you might as well put that one right in the box." And I was like, but "You already said like we weren't going to kill this these things." And he goes, "Listen here, son." He goes, "I turned eighty years old yesterday. That might be the last one I ever catch." Mm. And I went, "Fair enough. Okay, put it in the box." Enough. So then I'm running up the river, and he goes, you're going to be the talk of the boat ramp. Everybody's going to think you're the man. And I said, no. And I stopped the boat. <laughs> and I was like, look, here's the thing. I am going to be the top of, talk of the boat ramp, but not but, why yeah, you think I am. The negative. I said, it turns out I'm the dickhead who killed it. And he's like, oh, well, well, why don't you just pull over at one of the islands and clean it? And I was like, nope, you're going to see what happens and why I didn't want to kill these big fish. And he was like, man, I'm so sorry. And I was like, dude, I, it's your fish. You paid for the trip. Yeah. Like, I mean, I get it both ways. Both, both I, 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to argue with an 80-year-old man. Yeah. Well, what was he going to do with it? Get it mounted or he just wanted well, to eat no, it? No, he's going to eat it. So here's, here's the fallacy of getting it mounted. It's all Nobody by picture anyway. skin yeah. mounts anymore anyway. Mm-hmm. So you take Measurement. four measurements and take a bunch of pictures of the fish. And you get your mount. That's what I mean is you get And you give anyway. them to the taxidermist and they give you a reproduction. Yeah. And that yep. fish hopefully went on to pass his genetics on. Yep. Hmm. What, uh, so what comes first, you said, up the river? Kings. Kings, then? Sockeyes. Then? Silvers? Kings. Oh, kings again. Second mm-hmm. round kings. And then, so our silvers don't really start coming until the end of July, beginning of August. When I was talking to you yesterday, I can't remember which one, but you said, like, maybe the first or second 200,000 came? No, the second run of, of uh, sockeyes this year. And, so, and that's good. Yeah, we got two and a half million of them. Wow. Which that's the best run we've had in a long time. So sockeye fishing. I mean, the limit went from, usually the limit's three per person per day. The limit went August 9th, I believe. It went to six per person per day. <laughs> and that's when... That means I clean a lot of fish. <laughs> it's just, and the locals basically save up for wintertime. Oh, yeah. yeah well, plus, plus there's a whole other fishery on the river that's a personal use fishery where they mm-hmm. use these big dip nets. 
yeah. six foot hoop nets and they go stand neck deep in water. Basically, it's a mini gill net. Yeah, I've seen that on some. It's insane. Shows on A and E. They or catch they're at. hundreds of them. No, you're so per household. I think you're allowed twenty. I think you're, on the show it was something like twenty. I, I don't remember. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Call it twenty-five per household, and then twenty-five for each member <coughs> that lives in the household, mm. or another fifteen per person. Do you live off of fish when you're up there? No, I hate salmon. Okay. I really, yeah, I really don't. Um, it's good. I eat it. My wife's amazing at cooking it. It's never something that I crave. You're married. Mm. Yeah. You just said you don't even you get you work away from home nine months out of the year. She's there. All She's the time. there oh. with me. She used to guide. Oh, nice. She gets it. I'm lucky. I way out kicked my coverage. <laughs> yeah. Can all four of us get on one boat? And would you ever bring a podcast team to fish up on the Kenai River? Mm. We all four could be on the same boat. Yeah. Oh, let's do it. That's what I fish is four people Shit. a day. Dang. Well, Next live podcast on a on, uh, once they're in the river. Mm-hmm. Any natural predators in the river? Seals. Kind of. So seals in the river. Seals okay. follow them up. So the How seals far up? follow them up. All the way to Kenai Lake, so uh, all 88, 89 miles of the river. Well, yeah, the seals have become a huge problem, actually. And there's no deterrent for them? You can't do anything Natives, Natives can shoot them, um, indigenous natives. Um, but they started doing it this year a little bit, but not enough. I mean, it's the problem is now is, like, I saw it in June this year, and I've never seen them that early. But I saw seals with their pups, like they were training them where to come to. Mm-hmm. And they were there for like three or four days, and then they were Is gone. it dangerous to you guys? Like if you were to get out of a boat and, say, reel in a fish, was that – would they come and attack you? I had, one come up, I had one come up and grab like a six-pound rainbow at the boat this year. Mm. Wow. So, I got it back. <laughs> do you know on the native part of it, is, is that a – is that just a – is it a survival thing as far as what they're able to use them for if they're dogs or whatever it is, or is it so to they preserve can, they, the salmon harvest? No, it's it's for their um, – oh, what is it? Their lifestyle, so to speak. Like they're, they're allowed to harvest, you know, I mean, seals, what whales. Because they, they, they eat them. I mean, yeah, they eat them. They yeah. can, they can make stuff out of the, every, yeah, out every of bit the of pelts and all that. I sure. remember uh, sure. our buddy Lass went up there – it was less fishes. I see less when he's up there. Yeah, but I'm talking about a seal. He was able to, but when it was still allowed. Oh yeah, because he probably went in the '60s. Yeah, he went before the marine mammal. Act. Exactly. He he was able to go yeah. hunt those, but and he uh, he he tells a story of going killing one way out, like on this island when they mm-hmm. bring him back, that the natives were digging holes on the shoreline in the in the rocky shoreline. And they would just dump the seals in these holes and cover them back up. And when he got there, they were digging up another hole to get a seal that had been covered up for, let's say, six months. I don't remember the time frame. And start eating it. Fermented. Fermented in that salty water, ocean water. You've never had fermented seal? (laughs) No, I've never. (laughs) Wonderful. Oh, yeah, I bet. He said, said, don't "Don't ever eat it if they offer to you as a native. But, yeah, he said that he was just, like, very intrigued by that. They would just dump the whole seal in there and just let it basically rot in that salt water and ferment. And then dig it up right, in three salt, months or six the, months. But or, the salt would cure it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it would yeah. just cure, and they it's would go dig crazy. it up. And that's how they. I don't know if that's how all indigenous people do it, but that's how this tribe did it where he hunted. And uh, I was just like, 
Oh my god! I don't know if I can do that. I, I watched. Mean, think uh, about it. That's pure survival. Before I you, could, you know, man can make fire or anything. They preservation techniques. Sure. Yeah, I Natural saw a, fermentation. Uh, yeah. Isn't it Greenland or Iceland or something like that? And they uh, they hung nerf sharks or whatever they or whale sharks or whatever they were in like these huts that were like right on the ocean, and that's what the spray, you know, the saltwater spray. Uh, yeah sprayed over them and pretty soon they're like encrusted in like a salt Bath, brine right. <laughs> deal dude and then they become preserved and then they eat. oof yeah i think that's on greenland yeah you gotta be I starving remember. to death to eat that <laughs> yeah I just i, I just I mean, had a vision of that antelope on our on my antelope hunt remember that little baby antelope that got stuck green? in that deal oh remember yeah no should was, we just bring spray bottles eat, of, of salt water out hunting and just pretty start, much yeah you just start coating it just down right there. oh you so got you, an interesting life john david Yes. So I was trying to segue because what interests me most out of, or not the most, but intrigued me quite a bit of that long discussion. Um, so now you're fishing these fish, and you said they're not eating. Mm-hmm. So natural predators are seals. So mm-hmm. you said you piss them off. So what are you doing to catch them? So, so sockeyes. Okay, this is this. We'll go through the species. So. Sockeyes aren't aggressive. They're plankton feeders. So, like, when they come into the river, 6% of them are aggressive enough to eat a plug. Basically, like a little flatfish, quick fish, crankbait kind of stuff, right? Um, so the way you catch them is you get... And sockeyes, when they travel upstream, travel within 20 feet of the bank, okay? So you get on the outside bend of a river, preferably where the water's quick, which usually it is on the outside band, um, steep bank, and you fish with a heavy weight, call it an ounce of lead, six feet a liter to a hook with a little bit of yarn on it, or in the lower river, it doesn't need anything on it, a bare hook, and you cast from here to the wall, 10 feet, whatever, and you feel that weight on the bottom and you start leading it across and you feel that weight bouncing on the bottom. Well, what you're doing is you're bringing that leader across perpendicular to the current and these fish are swimming upstream and you run the line through their mouth and you snag them in the mouth. In the mouth. Every time. Because you can't keep them so if you snag them in the back or anything, right? right? Wow. They call, yeah, so it, they call it flossing. Yeah, you're flossing the fish. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they're because they're not eating. They're just right. they're, they're they're not, traveling they're, and you're just trying to hook them. They're literally not aggressive. Okay. So, kings are kings, silvers, pinks, the other three chums, that we get, yeah. and chums, but we don't get them in the river. They're all more of an apex predator in the ocean. Sardines, anchovies, um, squid. Like, so they're they're hunters. So they have a little bit Strike more negative yeah. attitude towards things being in their face. So similar to like what they troll at Tahoe or at Pyramid, like the flatfish or quickfish, um, we back troll those. So if the river's moving right to left, my bow's facing upstream, you run four rods out, put them in the rod holders, and I'm moving backwards with the current super slow. So these plugs are just sitting there making all kinds of noise and you obviously you need to know where the fish like to sit but you push these fish back and eventually they get balled up or there's enough of them where they just have a bad enough attitude they'll grab those plugs and then you're off so you're drifting backwards how do you keep the line taut 
current current keeps it taut like literally i move like if the currents say the, like so the average speed of the current in july when i'm king fishing is nine miles an hour right and king's like heavy current deep water so you run those plugs out click them over put them in the rod holders they start swimming and then i'm moving the boat back I'm I'm holding it into the current with the throttle yeah. and moving back super yeah. super super slow. Like it might take you an hour to go 300 yards. <laughs> like, yeah. but that also being said, a lot of the time, like you're rod tip to rod tip with the boat next to you, mm-hmm. and then there's a boat below you and above you, and you're in this. So how far do you get to put your leaders out or your lines out? Depends on how busy it is. Is that so? You can run that law. No, but just responsibly, like you get too much scope out there, and that fish decides to cut across. Yeah, and pretty soon you're in. (laughs) Everybody else, like I've had to cut all my lines, which those plugs aren't cheap. Those plugs are, yeah, you know, twelve to forty bucks a piece. I got to cut four of them loose and hope I can go find them because somebody's fish got tangled up in my stuff. Mm. You mean I'm hope not... you can find them? There's a chance you'd be able to go find them? Yeah, they float. They float up. Huh. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 different. What do you have to do as far as, uh, I mean, like you're saying, a weekend warrior, I imagine a native doesn't have to have any qualifications, but with having people in your boat as a guide, what do you have to do as a, you know, uh, you know, get, get basically to work, to work get a license. And so stuff. you have to have to run a powerboat. Excuse me. You have to have a Coast Guard license, six pack. You have to have six pack of beer. No. <laughs> oh, I wish morale would be much better. D- different most days. Um, <laughs> then we have state park permits. Then we have refuge permits. Like it's Alaska doesn't mess around with their that's I mean that's no, their number smart. one number one way to Alex. make money, right? So Yeah. I mean and it's Yeah, I mean it's a popular that and commercial fishing. Is yeah. that a just not interjecting politics, but is that all state ran? Is any of that federal that you just listed off? Yeah, so part Some so so the whole the, the Kenai is a unique deal. So the 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 Kenai River as a whole is considered a state park but within that half of its national wildlife refuge so that's different permits that you have to pay for every year is that a Um, refuge for fish or what is it it's just a national wildlife it's like still water it's 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 a national it's part of the national what's the what's the what's the refuge though like everything just it's a resting point for isn't that typically a, what it is? Well, it's like well, a protected. So it's, it's a refuge similar to Stillwater, where a portion of it is closed, a large portion of it's open to hunting. Oh, gotcha. You know, which is I forget what the percentage rates are. I think yeah. it's sixty forty. I think that's right. I don't remember. And there's exactly. ducks and geese that roost up there. There's ducks and geese that raise there. It's cool in the spring in um, April, May, and June. Like, you go up to the lake. Like, I'll take the kids up to the lake, and we'll go look for black bears or whatever. And um, all the sea ducks will be on the lakes migrating back north. So yeah, it's a cool, cool place to see all tons of wildlife, Harlequin. especially for kids. I see harlequin all year. 
Do you uh, are you worried about bears and stuff on the river? I mean, no, never been really I'm in a boat. I fish out of a boat. I don't bank fish very much, so they're. Do you carry just in case? Sometimes depends. If I'm on the upper river, I do. Gotcha. Brown bear, black bear too, or b- both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brown sow with cubs. I don't care what yeah. color she is. <laughs> yeah, sow with cubs. It's just not, Get in between not your them, friend. Yeah. You know, but they're they're pretty well behaved up there. So I think I don't know if it was me and you talking about it the other night, or or if I was talking to Chad about it. But so when I started working in Alaska ten years ago, um, that was the first year they had opened the refuge up in twenty five years to bear hunting. But the state of Alaska used hunters because they were having so many negative bear encounters to curb that problem. It's awesome. And it suck it sucks for my clients because we don't get to see near as many on the lower part of the river. But there's also way less bear problems. Yeah. <laughs> Turns I mean, out when they start getting shot at, people are a bad thing to be around. What I think is you know, cool is instead of our taxpayer dollars going to a conservation yep. or whatever, you know, stopping the, you know, bear encounters is you you open up tags and a, a controlled thing and you, you have a bunch of guys that want to go do it anyway that's the we, we've been having this conversation about coyote hunting Connolly contest because they want to stop them in nevada yet they want to pay a government employee to go out and kill coyotes because they damage livestock right. and they, eat people's did, did, did dogs they realize what it costs to have those guys go no it's insane no because no, you gotta about... pay a pilot mm-hmm. then plus the shooter mm-hmm. i mean i remember when i was right when i started guiding i was 17 or 18 um one of the guys from Indow called my dad and asked him if he knew anybody that would want to shoot coyotes because the job was open to do it. And back then it paid 40 plus oh, yeah. grand a year. And we do it for free. Mm-hmm. We don't we do spend, that. No, we don't do it for we free. Spend we spend money. Oh, I know. I'm just we saying. pay for licenses. We, like, we stimulate the economy no, to do it. 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it makes no sense whatsoever to be paying these... I mean, it's a good deal for whoever the trapper or the hunter is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to one take guy. their job no. away. Two yeah. guys. But yeah. it's one guy that's not putting any money into the state. He's taking it out of it. Whereas, you know, yeah. they start using hunters again in California or Washington or where anywhere that they're having issues with anything. I don't care what animal it is. Hunters, hunters are your best friends on that deal. Yeah. yeah. Sportsmen. I have two more questions for you. Okay. One, have you ever been to a Kenai? baseball league baseball game in the summer wood bat league it's very very big deal up there kenai baseball no i have not did you even know that existed no the kenai he wakes up at 3 a.m every morning dude he sees (laughs) nothing but the kenai river in his pillow (laughs) and two this is the biggest you got to pick one hunting or fishing forever yeah I could only do one. One's got to go. Are you are you in Texas or are you in Alaska? No, I'm hunting. So but I'm not in Texas. No, you're hunting, but not in Texas. Yeah. I mean, Texas would be part of it. But yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Where would you be hunting? Arkansas? No. Nevada? No. Fallon? No. No. If money was no option, all I would do is sheep hunt. Oh, I love sheep hunting. So that's I was just about to get there. I was going to narrow it down. So you already narrowed down the... I would sheep hunt hunt. Like it's just It's it's epic. How many have you killed? Zero. (laughs) 
Dad's killed a couple. Grandpa's killed one. Sister's killed one. My dad's killed two. You're well on your way to Grand Slam. My grandfather killed a Grand Slam. Um, my brother's got a tag in the muddies this summer. I know. I heard. Or this? Did you get one? No, his his second one too. His (laughs) brother's second tag. I've had none. That's okay. It's not okay. Well, (laughs) but that's the program, right? Like, you know, I've helped a few sheep through the fence. Yeah. In your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You just pulled a muscle in my rib cage. Oh God, that is good. Good comedy. Oh shit. Whew, sheep? Did you just say sheep? No, and I don't. No. I, I don't know that it stick to just sheep hunting. Like I just the mountains, yeah. man. Just backcountry hunts. Well, that's it. It's it's, it's John it your David Stanley the third. The turd, they called him when he got here. Always. The turd. What a great life you lead. How long do you see Not yourself bad. doing this? Rest of your life? Are you having you any really? more? Is Stone the next, last, or are you going to have another one? I don't know. You it's up, have, it's up for debate. <laughs> yeah. You should have a girl. She's a great oh, mother. Yeah. That'd be great. Then we'd need a whole other wardrobe. Right now, I got hand-me-downs for forever. Your kids yeah. will be wearing all the same clothes the yes. rest of their lives. Allie posted something the other day uh, who is an unbelievable artist. You should go check. What's her handle? Or is Allie it just Beck her? Stanley. Allie Beck Stanley on Instagram. She's insane artist. Painter, drawer, whatever you want to call her. Illustrator. Artist. Artist. Awesome. But she posted something the other day about living the Alaskan life of living how you do up there and, and being a mother of three kids on the river and Stone's there, you know, he's a couple months old and he has the this little ass uh life jacket on. It looks like well, it looks it looks like a straight jacket. Straight he's jacket just... and she, he's out on the river, he's out on the boat, his brother's got a fifty pound salmon holding it. I mean, just mm-hmm. this is some cool stuff. So cool way to So you're saying we him. can come up there? You can? Can. You'll host us? I could probably the work boat. something out. All right. I'd like to go up there. Give you at least a fifteen percent discount. I'll pay full price. <laughs> if I can keep one seventy five pounder and watch you get embarrassed on the boat dock. You should come up one year before um I start fishing. We should go up there and go uh we should go shoot a black bear on the coast. Is it combo? You can do black bear and then come in and fish? Same kind of time frame. Yeah, I mean, we can just go do it as fun. Like, I can't. Like, I'm not licensed to guy. No, I understand that. I'm, but but like, it, it happens at the same time. Hunt. Yeah, I mean, same so black bear season never closes. I can kill five a year. What about grizzlies? You mentioned. I would have thought more. Forty three dollars over the counter for, for grizzlies you. too. For, yeah, for, for a resident for you. Oh, yeah, no. Based price eighteen five. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Because you gotta. So Alaska has Alaska has some really great game laws. So a and there's a reason for this because of the country that it's in and, mm-hmm. and what you're dealing with. So you have to hire a guide for mountain goats, brown bears, and sheep. You can hunt moose, DIY, caribou, pretty much everything else. Um, and you do not have your guiding license for brown bear? No. Damn it. Why do not have time to do it, man? The regulations are just... Yeah. It, it, now to get a registered guide licenses. Why? Why those three species need a guide? Because there's some there's some stipulations to because killing it's them. Back country. Danger. So like when I was when I was working up in the Brooks Range, um, for doll sheep, I was supposed to be there twelve days, a day either side of a ten day hunt, and I spent twenty one days in the mountains because of weather. 
they can't get you out. So you got to be able to. And you need somebody that's there, like having guided for bears in Canada and helping and packing in Alaska. Like, man, you don't want to pay that kind of money and end up with someone who's not prepared to stand there and stop that bear. Because, I mean, one of the guys that I worked with in the Brooks, who I also worked with out on the Alaskan Peninsula when I was packing for brown bears, he, um, they had one. I wasn't on the hunt. He and his hunter shot that brown bear 16 times before it stopped coming. Wow. Started at 300 yards, and Billy finally shot it at eight steps. Shot mm. it in the skull, and the client was pissed at him. Because mm. he wanted the skull. He ruined the trophy. Billy goes, and he's he's this old farmer, like cowboy from Montana. Yeah, and I mean, he's like 60 years old, right? He's the toughest human being ever. Snow, rain, black wranglers every day. Soaking wet. Always. (laughs) But Billy was like, well, in case you didn't notice, shooting it in the body wasn't exactly working. (laughs) He goes, you're alive. That's your trophy. Wow. But I mean, uh, but those bears, there's like... Pictures don't do them justice, like most things. Like, like, you know, pictures of the mountains in Nevada, Lamoille Canyon or places like that. Like, it's not the same as when you're standing there looking at it. It doesn't do it justice. Like, you don't understand how big they are. You know, I mean, you're talking about critters that get upwards of 1,400 pounds. Like, that's... You're no longer the top. Well, we, we should have you back on the show. You got a wealth of knowledge already. Yeah. Whenever. Well, yeah, we'll see you when you're when you're done with your. Well, I had my mind set on a brown bear, but I'm going black bear. Four, four so what you say black bear, so black bear is DIY. Yeah, you can yeah. buy the tag. Black over bear, the so and black four, bear and four a caribou. Of Let's do it. No, moose. I'd rather go moose. I went moose hunting this year. Fish. Eight bulls in three days. None of them were legal. Wow. That's the other thing that I wish I wish more states. I know I'm still talking. No, you're fine. Um, but, but what? We're bringing you back. Okay, we can't spend it all, on. all your stories. Fine. We don't want to hear about your we'll, moose story. We'll right come now. back to the more good game laws that Alaska has. Yeah, we appreciate you. I want to talk about that. Says, Thanks for having me. I want to talk about that, and I want to talk more about the the waterfowl side. Yeah, we didn't really get into. Yeah, two time international coot calling champion, right it, here it, on the show. Good yeah, segue. Buddy. Here's a good way to bring it out. This this is all mouth calling right here. John David will send us out turkey calling. Go. I can't do it anymore. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't set it up for him. Cannot. I guess that's it. Clint, you just keep eating your Jack Links. You keep trying Jack to Links. do good in life. All the way from the highest state in our union. Yeah, you. you. Hey, he lives in two of the largest states of uh, of our union. D two, D two, They fight with each other over who's larger and who's they not. Do. John David Stanley the third. We appreciate you coming, Thanks, in, Jack Links. Thank you, buddy. Late.